But Acts chapter 10 and verse 34 And I want to preach about what God can do with a, with a gospel preacher. What God can accomplish with a gospel preacher. In verse 34, I'll just read a few verses here. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And then Peter says, and we are witnesses of these things. Peter said, I'm a witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And you know, folks, we are witnesses too. God is still accomplishing his will through gospel preachers. Yes, the man standing behind the pulpit, but everybody in here, man, woman, boy, and girl, we can all be a gospel preacher. Not just that we all can be, but we are all commanded to be gospel preachers. Did you know that? We're all supposed to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. It's not a gift that God gives to some people. It's a command that he gives to all of his people that we be gospel preachers. And this is what God uses in this day. He's used it for 2,000 years to save the lost. And we as a church, we need to get after it. We need to spring alive this spring. And we need to pray, oh God, revive Antiquity Baptist Church for the work of gospel preaching. Good old-fashioned gospel preaching. Amen. I still like that word, preaching. I want to say it again. And uh, that's a dirty word in some circles, but that's only because those people are worldly and liberal and don't read their Bibles anymore. But let's go ahead and pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the Word of God. I thank you for this message. And I pray, Lord, you'd just help me to, to get it across and, and to get it across the way that you want it to sound. And Lord, I pray for our church, God... Uh, we can we can get all stirred up in the flesh and and uh, get our emotions all in a in a in a in a in a an emotional sensation and Lord we can do all that and not really be filled with the Spirit and not have the power the staying power the stamina that we need from day to day so Lord I pray that we would be filled with the Spirit I pray that we'd have a a burden that comes from heaven. I pray for an unction, Lord, on the lips of each person in here. Lord, not just to be stirred up with an emotional fervor, but to have a God-given unction to just speak a word in season and out of season. Lord, we're living in a day right now where it's out of season. But God, I know you're working every day in America, in, in hardened uh, countries like America and England and 
and, uh, and Italy and France, and you're still working and saving souls. Maybe we're not seeing what we saw back in the glory days of the 60s and the 70s and even up there in the 90s. But, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be faithful and, Lord, trust you, trust you for the results. In Jesus' name. Amen. So the Lord gave me an idea on this passage here, and Peter was a preacher. Uh, We're going to read about Peter preaching Christ to Cornelius, and he's going to preach the gospel. But, you know, we see this great preacher. We see tremendous results, and it's exciting to study the book of Acts. But never forget that this started small. This started with, with a carpenter's son who one day left his father's trade. Whether or not he actually worked in carpentry, we don't know. But one day he walked out of his father's shop and he stood on the dusty streets of his hometown and he proclaimed the words that his father gave him. He walked out into the open fields and preached in the open fields. He preached on, on a boat one time. He went into the synagogues and proclaimed the word, but it started small with just one man. And, and as far as men go, he was insignificant to the, the higher powers, the, the powers that be, the, the religious authorities in Jerusalem, you know, the Pharisees and the scribes. This rabbi, this preacher from Nazareth, to them seemed insignificant, inconsequential, it was just a small deal. He, he, he had no learning, he, he, he was not ordained, but he was called of his father, and God had only one begotten son, and God made him a preacher. And he went, ab- he went about and preached. But it was a very small thing at first. He only gathered to himself 12 men, and they followed him around. Later on, more would follow Jesus. But what started small quickly gained momentum and became larger to the point to where everyone, as I said last time in Judea, everyone knew someone who was healed by Jesus. And everyone had heard his teaching and heard his preaching. And it was spreading uh, just by mouth, just by gossiping the gospel of the kingdom at that time. And and then up in, in his region around Galilee, it was spreading, but it started small. But we should never despise something that starts small because God will make it one day have a greater influence. It will expand. And we can't always tell. See, we live in a day where, you know, we're, we're not seeing these miraculous things that are following the, the apostolic ministry of this man, Peter. What we're seeing is on, much, on a much smaller level. And so we can lose heart. But don't lose heart tonight. Never despise a small work because we might think we're just a little church here in Racine. We're not as big as some of these churches that we see on TV. Let me illustrate. I I heard about an old country preacher. True story. But this old country preacher was, he was toward the end of his ministry and he was continuing on faithful for God Sunday after Sunday preaching the word of God. One Sunday, he, was, uh, he had arrived at the church building and was walking to the door and uh, getting ready to greet folks as they came in, and, and a deacon met him, no offense, Adam, 
a deacon met him before the service and he said, uh, Preacher, I just got to tell you something that's uh, been bothering me, it's been troubling me, and I just got to tell you, I got to get it off my chest. And he pulled that old preacher, that old faithful man of God aside, and he said, Listen, uh, Jesus said that you'll know them by their fruits, and I just don't see much fruit in your ministry. Not much is happening around here. We don't have a large congregation. And uh, to speak of converts, we, we haven't seen any converts, but just one boy. And uh, maybe it's time for you to move on. Maybe our church ought to call a different preacher. And that happened right before he got up into the pulpit and preached. And he, he pled with that, with that deacon and was kind and everything like that. And he took his Bible and he approached the pulpit and he opened up the Word of God and got his things ready there and, and, and related that within his heart, that his heart was just broken and he wished inside that God would just take him home at that moment and lay his body to rest in the earth and uh, that he'd be, reached the end of his ministry, but he faithfully preached the message that he had that, small, that, that morning with, with tears in his eyes. And he told that deacon, he said, that boy might just be one boy, but we don't know what God's going to do with him. Do you know what that boy's name was? Robert Moffat. At the end of that message, the end of the service that, that morning, <clears throat> That preacher sat down brokenhearted and that boy came up to him and he said, do you think I could ever preach? Do you think God would ever use me to, what do I have to do? What kind of training would I have to get to do what you're doing? And he was so excited that that young man wanted to preach. And as he got to know him, he started talking about missions. Do you know he went to Africa? Do you know that he was involved in translating scripture? Do you know that he... he, he was used of God to convert tribal kings in large numbers of souls in Africa, that one boy. So we might not see all of the results of our gospel preaching during our lifetime. That old man didn't see that, but he, he knew, he'll know about it at the judgment seat of Christ. And you might not see the results of when you put out these little gospel tracts that the preacher talked about this morning. You know, at the end of my lunch, I <clears throat> made sure I was kind to the waitress and gave her a generous uh, tip, and I left this with my plate. I don't know what God will do with that. I don't know. But I'm getting emails all the time from the man who uh, put together these tracts of his daughter. And he put together the tracts of uh, that little yellow track. It's in here somewhere. And he's sending emails talking about all the people who have read this and have either been saved or rededicated their lives in America. So we might not see all the results. We'll see some of them. But I have a, I have a suspicion that a large part of the results of what we do, we won't know about it till we get home to heaven. But don't be discouraged. Be faithful in the little things. <laughs> and let God grow what we're doing here. You know, we <clears throat> from Sunday to Sunday... We look around and, and we, we might become discouraged. But take heart. Because God is able to take the gospel, something that might start small, and then do something greater in time. The fruitfulness we might not see in our lifetimes. So let's look at Peter's preaching this, this, this evening in verse 34. <clears throat> then Peter opened his mouth and said... Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. So Peter begins preaching, and I'm calling this his introduction. 
Every sermon has an introduction. It's shorter than the body of the sermon. It introduces the topic, the theme. And oftentimes, an introduction can be used to remove obstacles that may be between the preacher and the listener. Things that that the preacher knows that are hindering the listener from receiving the message. And so the preacher tries to remove any obstacle that would keep the people from receiving what God had given through the preacher to them. And so Peter sees an obstacle here, and he sees an obstacle because he has with him, he has some circumcised believers. That is, they were Jews converted to Jesus Christ. They're with Peter. And so he knows that. And so he says publicly to them, he's got converted Jews there, and he has Gentiles who are waiting to hear the gospel so that they can be saved. And so he sort of clears the air by saying, God is no respecter of persons. That is, Peter is realizing that what God wants to do is God wants to send the gospel to the Gentiles. Peter had been a separated Jew, as I said last time. Uh, Peter did not want to go to the Gentiles. Peter would not sit down at this point and eat a meal with a Gentile. He wouldn't uh, walk into the house of a Gentile. He wouldn't allow Gentiles to come into his house. But God has been dealing with him through that vision of the sheet and the unclean animals saying, Arise, Peter, and eat. God has been dealing with him because of Simon, a tanner, and uh, Peter had stayed. So the walls were coming down as I talked about. And now Peter finally gets it. Peter says, God is no respecter of persons. And, and, and what that means is that, yes, God is sometimes a respecter of nations. There are whole nations that God judges. And God is, is a respecter of moral things and even of offerings. You know, we read in Genesis 4 that God had respect unto Abel. But he did not have respect unto Cain. Why was that? Well, because Abel brought the right sacrifice. So Abel was accepted because he had the right sacrifice. Cain was not accepted. God did not have respect unto him because he brought the wrong sacrifice. But what Peter is saying here is that God will give all men a chance to hear the gospel. God will give all men, Jews and Gentiles, a chance to hear the gospel. He says in verse 35, But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. We remember that Cornelius was a religious man, a good man man as far as men go, but not saved. He was religious and lost. But Peter says here that Every man that fears God and works righteousness is accepted of him. What does that mean? What does that mean? It doesn't mean that he's saved yet. It's just that he's accepted with God. You say, what does that mean? We've got to go to Romans 2, okay? Let me give you something that will help you in your understanding of the Word of God. And uh, I like to preach. I do. Uh, But this is something that we need to understand from the Word of God. We have Cornelius. This is a man who is a great example of Romans chapter 2, verses 5, 6, and 7. He's accepted with God because he's living according to his conscience. He's a Gentile man. He's a Roman soldier. 
And he is a perfect example of Romans 2, verses 5, 6, and 7. This is how God dealt with Gentiles in the Old Testament. You ever wonder, could Gentiles get saved in the Old Testament? What happens to the heathen that have never heard? And those kind of things. You ever one of those questions? This is, the, uh, this is the answer to that. How did God deal with a Gentile? The same way that he was dealing with Cornelius. So Romans chapter 2, verse 5, But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of righteous judgment of God. So Paul is talking to the Jews, and he's saying you're in a mess because you're rejecting what God has given to you for salvation, and that is the Christ, and you're just treasuring up wrath against the righteous judgment of God. And then he says in verse 6, who will render to every man according to his deeds. See that? God will render, God will deal with every man according to his deeds. That is, he who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. That kind of a thing from Revelation Look, verse 7, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. Now stop there. Paul is explaining Old Testament salvation. Okay, I'll show you. You'll see it before we're done. Do you get saved by patient continuance and well-doing? By seeking for glory and honor and immortality? Are you saved that way? No, but listen, under the Old Testament, this is how God saved Gentiles. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. That's what they receive, not eternal life, but God's fiery anger and judgment. That's what they receive, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil. Of the Jew first, do you see it? And also of the Gentile. Paul is explaining the old dispensation of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, a Gentile was judged by his conscience. If he followed the light that he had in his conscience, he believed that there was a God. He did what was right according to his conscience. Not perfect, of course. All have sinned, come short of the glory of God. But he's seeking after doing the right thing. And doing right by God according to his conscience, however flawed it was, that man would be accepted with God. Cain and Abel, Abel offering his sacrifice. That thing went on throughout the whole Old Testament. It was a faith in God plus works in the Old Testament. The Jew, how did God judge the Jew? The Jew had to live by their faith in God and follow the law. The Gentiles didn't have the law, but they had the law of God written in their hearts, but they didn't have all the other extras. The Jew had to live by faith and by the law. Salvation was not the same in the Old Testament. So look at Romans chapter 3. And I know that John R. Rice and Curtis Hudson and those that put out the sword of the Lord, which is a good paper. You ought to read the sword of the Lord. It's good. It tells you to win souls and it puts the emphasis in the right place. Sometimes put the emphasis a little bit on uh, legalistic dress and all that kind of thing. But uh, uh, a mature Christian can eat the meat and spit out the bones. But the sword of the Lord is a good paper. You ought to read it. But 
I wouldn't go to them for all of my Bible teaching. John R. Rice was a great preacher. He didn't get everything right with his Bible teaching. Look at Romans chapter 3 and verse 21. What are the first two words? But now. All right. But is what? The flip side? Now is a timing word. But now. What's changed? Paul is saying, this is how it was. But now. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets witnessed to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That never said Jesus' name in the Old Testament. You will not find the name the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. It's not there. But what you will find is the law and the prophets witnessing to the person and the work of Christ. So God says there's a righteousness now in the new dispensation, in the New Testament, that is without the law. God does not use the law in this case. Even the righteousness of God, whose righteousness is it? God's, right? Of, it proceeds from Him. He's the source. The righteousness of God, which is by faith plus works. Is that what it says? No, it doesn't say that. It's by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that endure to the end. Is that what it says? I still need to get glasses. I, sometimes I get cloudy. Is that what it says? No, it says to, that believe. Colon. For there is no difference. Colon meant he was done saying that statement, and now he's coming back to what he was saying. There's no difference between the Jew and the Gentile right now in this new dispensation. The way to get saved is by faith. And when you get saved by faith, believing in Jesus Christ, God gives you his righteousness. And he goes on to say it's not of works. Chapter 4, verse 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth. On him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So when you put your faith in the right object, that faith, God counts that as righteousness. And he gives you his righteousness. Now come back to Acts chapter 10 and I'll kind of put that all together. Is everybody with me? I know you might be kind of deliberating. Is what he's saying right? That's why I always say, if, if you're hearing something maybe for the first time or you're hearing something and you just never really thought about it before, if you're hearing that, this is all I ask you to do. Put it on the back burner and say to the Lord, say to him right now, Lord, if what he said rings true, show it to me in the scriptures. As I study the scriptures, I'll either find out that what he said was right because it'll, it'll line up with the rest of the Bible or else I'll find out that what he said was wrong. That's fair enough. I'm okay with that. What I said was right. I just taught you right. But, uh, but you need to be convinced by the word of God, not by what a preacher says, because I know this book enough right now that I could teach you that you're saved by works. All I'd have to do is just go into another dispensation and, and ignore Paul's teaching, and I could teach you that you're saved by faith plus works. Just ignore Paul. So back in Acts chapter 10, in verse 35, Peter says, But in every nation, now understand, Peter is thinking 
in an Old Testament sense. He that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. So God says, I'll take that. In the new dispensation, what happens if a Gentile is a God-fearer? He's a praying man. He's, he's working righteousness. He believes in God, but that's not enough to be saved. What happens in the new dispensation when a man like Cornelius does this? God obligates himself to get a gospel preacher to that person. Do you see that in the passage? You had a man. I'm, I'm, I'm just, sometimes I feel like folks, I feel like, um, I feel like you might be thinking from your perspective, is he trying to manipulate me or pull the wool over my eyes or what I'm trying to tell you is that I'm trying to be as honest and as sincere as I possibly can be. And I'll even tell you sometimes how this thing's taught wrong because you, you, you've got to be convinced by scripture You know, in verse 35, the Catholics say that Cornelius was saved. The Catholics say Cornelius was already saved before Peter got there. The Church of Christ say that Peter was already saved before Cornelius, or before uh, Peter got there. Cornelius was already saved. He was not saved. He was accepted with him, but not saved yet. So if a man is following his conscience in the church age, the light that God has given him, God will obligate him to send a preacher. Is that not what God did? He sent Peter. Peter had to come and preach before he could get saved. Now listen, folks, there's people out there, and they're not, they're not bad people as far as men go. Yes, they're ungodly. Yes, they're sinful. Yes, they're ruined sinners the way that God sees it. But as far as we're concerned, they're not robbing their neighbor, you know, they're faithful to their wife and children and so on and so forth. And there's people who, who believe in God. Uh, they might even pick up the Bible and start to read it. I, just, I met a person like this just recently in the library and had a conversation with him, just like what I'm describing. His wife had taken him to church a little bit and he's kind of looking into these things. And, and if a person is living by their conscience and trying to do the right thing, it makes them accepted with God in the sense that God will obligate himself to send a gospel preacher, but it does not mean that they're saved because people cannot be saved until they hear the gospel. And you've... Yes, it's just a head knowledge. Yep. And uh, you've just got to see... If you don't believe me, just read First John. It'll, it'll straighten you out on that. Is it enough that a person believes in God? No. But if you have the Son, guess what? You have the Son and the Father, the Apostle John says. So God will, now listen, God wants to use you. There's somebody out there for you. There's somebody out there on that side. And if you'll just say, Lord, I'm willing to go. Can I brag on somebody in our congregation real quick? Um, Sheila Hill, pray for her. Pray for her brother. God told Sheila, Go visit your brother and give him a gospel track. And, and you know, boy, it gives me goosebumps to think about it. I didn't tell her to do that. I mean, I'm telling you generally, go visit people and give them gospel tracks. Tell them how you got saved and say, here, this explains everything. You know, you need to get in on this. But God told her, he even told her when to do it. 
And she went, and guess what? She said that she can tell God's working on him because he's talking about the King James Bible as the only true word of God and, and, he, and talking about how the pictures of Jesus in a lot of these churches is not the real Jesus. And he's right about both of those. God obligated himself to get a gospel preacher to him is what I'm trying to say. He's doing this. Are you going to get in on it? If you've never led anybody to Christ or never been personally responsible, instrumental in leading somebody to Christ, I would not be satisfied with that. I would change that this year. You can be a part of this. You could pray somebody into heaven within a year. I know we can't save anybody, but God uses us. Balls of dirt. He uses us. So... He that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted of him. That's his introduction. And he gets out of the way. He clears the air that, listen, guys, he's saying to these other, these other uh, Jewish Christians, he's saying, listen, God wants to save Gentiles too. And so they're on board with it now. And then the Gentiles that are there and listening to Peter are saying, God wants to save us too. This, this gospel comes through the Jews. The, the gospel is for the Jew first and also to the, to the Greek, to the non-Jew. Salvation is of the Jews. It comes from the Jews. And all the Gentiles there are just feeling in their hearts a sense of relief and appreciation that we're about ready to hear the message that God has given us through the Messiah, a Jewish Messiah. So, and then he goes on to preach in verse 36. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. You know, I wonder what kind of preacher Peter was. But uh, just try to imagine this, what's happening here at this, this home of Cornelius and Peter's inside just preaching in the house, maybe in a court area, a courtyard. That word I say ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. You see, they knew all of that stuff. Peter said he knew it was common knowledge. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly. If you do not preach the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you are not preaching the gospel. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not to all people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God. So Peter said, when Jesus arose, he revealed himself only to his disciples. He did not reveal himself to all people. Isn't that interesting? Hold on to that thought. Because he said, we were chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. They were with him for 40 days. Jesus just stayed with them. And he commanded us to preach unto the people. You see, Jesus did not go into Pilate's hall and say, I told you I'm the son of God. He did not go into the temple mount, the temple area, and talk to the Pharisees and said, I told you that I'm the Son of God and I'm, the, I'm your Messiah. He didn't do that. So if you're paying attention to this study, and I, I think that you are, then you'll remember that God did not use an angel. God did not even use his son to spread the gospel after he, res after he arose. 
God uses his people. Peter, me and you. And he says, him God raised up, but he did not show him to the people. He showed him to us. In verse 42, and he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. We'll have to come back to that because there's just so much in there. If you're really going to teach the Bible, it just takes time. And I thought I was going to get through this chapter, and I'm not, because there's some things that need to be said about this. But look what's happened. Look, it's kind of funny. I'll, I'll, I'll end with this. He's preaching, right? And he's saying to him, you know, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Again, belief. Okay? Whosoever believeth, they'll be forgiven of their sins, is what Peter's saying. And then, verse 44, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost interrupted him. <laughs> Peter, uh, I think it might have been J. Vernon McGee that pointed this out to me. It might have been the first time I heard it. Peter got interrupted by the Holy Spirit right here, but not just the Holy Spirit. One time God the Father interrupted Peter. Do you remember when that was? Mount of Tr- Transfiguration. Peter was so excited. He's saying, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let's build three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses, one for Elijah. And God the Father said, interrupted him and said, this is my beloved son. He's not equal to these other two. Hear ye him. So he got interrupted by God the Father. Not just that. He got interrupted by Jesus on multiple occasions. Peter was that, 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 that disciple that just started running his mouth before his mind even caught up with what he was about ready to say. And He was just so impulsive, and he actually got interrupted by all three persons of the Trinity, of the Godhead. (laughs) He interrupted him here with his miraculous works. He didn't even finish the sermon, but he had preached the gospel, and that's what they needed to hear. And the Holy Spirit signified it with his presence and with the speaking of tongues. We'll talk about that more next time. But but dear dear folks, uh, I know that wasn't the most polished sermon I've ever preached, and uh, and I feel like I had turkey for, for lunch too today. But, but don't, don't miss the point. Don't miss the point. God did not call angels to preach the gospel to the lost. God did not even call his son in his resurrected glorified body to preach the gospel to the lost. God called sinners. Me and you. Amen. Redeemed sinners. It is a command. Peter said, I'm commanded to preach the gospel. Listen, every born-again child of God is commanded to preach the gospel. And uh, would, you just, would you just pray with me right now? Would you pray and say, Lord, either I've never been used by you personally to bring somebody to Christ, either uh, bringing them to church, giving them a gospel tract, telling them my personal testimony, praying with them, Uh, One way or another, God, I've never been used of you in that way. Would you use me this year? Or maybe you say, God, I I have been used of you. By your grace, you've used me to do that. And and it's been a while. I'm a used to Christian. It's been a while. Let's just tarry before the Lord for just a moment. Say, God... There's somebody that you put on my heart. 
somebody I've been praying for and, and you brought them to mind again tonight. God, I pray that you'd save that soul. Lord, as I look into my family, maybe not everyone in my family is saved the way that Brother Tim Lapish spoke about his family. Lord, I pray that you'd save that soul that's nearest to hell. God, I'm going to commit to praying for those people every day. Can you pray that? If you can't pray it, don't pray it, because God will hold you to it. God, I'm going to pray every day for souls. God, I'm, I'm going to start reading gospel tracts so that I don't have any excuse. I know how to explain the gospel. God, I, I used to I used to be on fire for souls, but the fire's gone down and it's almost out. Lord, would you rekindle in me a real burning passion for souls? I know you can take what little I have to offer and and I know you can use it. I might not see the fruit of it in my own lifetime. But Lord, I'll know that I was faithful and obedient to you to do what you wanted me to do. Like that old preacher, he did what, what, what you wanted him to do, and he didn't get to see the fruit. But the fruit's to your glory anyhow, Lord. God, would you use me this year to bring somebody to Christ? Would you say that to the Lord? Remember, remember, if you, if you say something to the Lord, he'll hold you to it. But remember, if, if you say to the Lord, I'm going to do this, he'll also give you the grace and empower you and fill you with his spirit and use you to do it. Lord, I thank you for this message tonight. I thank you for the gospel ministry that you've given us as a church. Lord, there's people all around us dying. The, the devil is going about stealing and killing and destroying. There's people whose lives are just swallowed up with some addiction or some fascination with this, with a, with this world or some idol of money chasing after money, chasing after a career. and Lord, there's different people going through different things. And God, I pray that you'd use us, use this church, Lord, not just to build our church, but to see people saved and to be obedient to you. And God, I pray that you'd use me, use me to lead somebody to Christ. Stir my heart for the things that, that you really love and care about. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, we'll go ahead and be dismissed there.